Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 158th week of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. Today, we'll be talking exclusively about college football for you. As usual, let's dive into some news that we missed in the college football world. Uh, the quarterback transfer window is open already. We're already hearing some chatter. Uh, Clemson quarterback DJ Uyongale is expected to transfer. Uh, quarterback Cade McNamara has already transferred to Iowa. I don't know if anybody has any thoughts about either of those things. <laughs> And kind of a fall from grace for DJ. I feel kind of bad for him. Yeah. Like he was like coming in as like the most hype prospect quarterback and it's just never really worked for him. So I hope I hope he gets a good opportunity elsewhere. Um, yeah. He'll probably end up at like a Maryland. I know that two his brothers at Maryland, but that's like the same vibe, you know. Go from Clemson Rutgers. to Yeah, Oof. something like that. <laughs> yeah. In other quarterback news, the Heisman finalists were announced, and they're all quarterbacks. We got Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, C.J. Stroud, and Stetson Bennett. So, I guess Stetson Bennett is the surprise there. Yeah, justice for Hendon Hooker for, yeah. for being left out, yeah. or or mm-hmm. Bo Nix. You know, he he also had a way better case as well. I understand. Oh, this yeah. is kind of like the MVP conversation where the best quarterback or the quarterback on the best team is like the guy who's like tossed in like, Oh, what, what about this guy? You know, he's obviously not losing games. Um, and maybe Bennett has kind of been disrespected by the college football analyst the last couple of years. Cause I remember that there's similar takes about him about he's not actually that good, but you know, he won a national championship. So like, I get it, but he is definitely the odd man in this group. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw somewhere he was the 39th most efficient quarterback in college football this year below. Drew Pine, uh, who we'll get to later. What's, but what Pine stat are they using for efficiency? It was not completion no. percentage. I looked that at it. So I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I don't know. There was, there was something I saw. <laughs> Reddit called football posted it, and I trust them. No, I saw that one, too. So I was like, I don't know yeah, what stat yeah. they're using. <laughs> yeah, but I trust it. Um, and also, my fun fact, which I thought was wild, is that uh, Lamar Jackson won the Heisman in 2016, was born in 97, and Stetson Bennett also born in 97 and, and six years later is a nominee for the Heisman, which is crazy. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, Stetson Bennett is our age. That's wild. Yeah, that he's still playing college football. <laughs> like college How many forever. years of eligibility does he have left? Yeah. <laughs> I think this, this, is, this has to be it. There's no, there's no real way. His, yeah, I don't understand post-doc. how Lamar Jackson <laughs> is like so young in the NFL and how Stetson's still in college. Because yeah. Lamar Lamar didn't just get to the NFL. He's been in the NFL for four four years now, mm-hmm. right? Like he's off yeah. almost off his rookie contract. Yeah. I think this is actually it's his fifth season. Yeah, right. But yeah, like he was drafted in twenty eighteen, right? <laughs> the birth birthdays don't add up when it comes to like schools and birthdays. Don't you know they're this year's old. I don't understand what the cutoff is and how people are involved. And did he start? Did Bennett start late? What was his rookie? His, his 
Freshman year. I How old think is he, he transferred from like a community college or something. He transferred. The COVID year didn't count. He was redshirted. And I think his parents started him in school later, like a year later than they could have. Why would a parent ever do that? <laughs> so they could be better at sports. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> be the oldest kid on every So he could win a Heisman. Yeah. <laughs> if he wins a Heisman, I'll well. take it back. That's it. <laughs> the long play. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I think I think that's the math on how he's 25 and still playing college football or something like that. It would have been us. It could have been, been any one of us. Oh, man. Okay, last thing uh, in news we missed is, of course, just that the one through four college football playoff seeds are finalized. Uh, we got Georgia against Ohio State and woo! Michigan. Woo, and Michigan <laughs> against TCU. So that'll be those should be two good games. What are they gonna say about us now? In the playoffs. <laughs> that Harder. Got, that you got lucky that USC lost. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Walking fully backwards into the playoffs, losing by twenty some to Michigan and still getting there. All right, well, let's let's get into it then. Uh staying on the topic of the college football playoff. Um this week an expansion was finalized. Um, formalizing a 12-team playoff starting, I think, in two years. Is that right? Um, mm-hmm. So, Aiden, let's start with you. Do you think that the way that the conference championships played out this past weekend validated this new format, and do you think it might still be improved somehow? Mm. Yeah, I think it did validate it to some degree, at least. Like, it made it clear <laughs> that in the current format, a lot of conference championship games like do not mean anything. The only one that mattered... This weekend was the Pac-12 title game, which was on a Friday, and I did not realize that until it was like halftime. So shout out Pac-12 time, for always baby. doing the most to be <laughs> ignored. Uh, but that was really the only <laughs> only game that had the ability to like impact teams involved in the playoff this year, unless TCU like got blown out or something. Um, like the outcomes were decided. So I like at least that they'll have to mean something going forward. I get that some not incredible teams would be in via this process. A three-loss Kansas State would be in, a three-loss Utah. Um, And obviously they didn't get in, but a four-loss Purdue had a chance. Um, But the Purdue thing is stupid. Like, that's up to, that's a problem with the Big Ten setup, to be honest. The Big Mm -hmm. Ten East has won all eight Big Ten championships since conference expansion and realignment in 2014. Like, they got to do something about that. They have Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, all on the same side. Do we know um, where USC and UCLA will go in the Big Ten? That's a good Easter? question. I guess you they're think West. they're going to be on the East? <laughs> I don't know. I got a weird feeling. I love the idea of a team in New Jersey and a team in California both being in the East. The same re- Exactly. <laughs> like east in the other direction if you go far enough around. <laughs> yeah, if you go oh, far but... enough, yeah. <laughs> Um, but, but anyway, I'm honestly okay with a three loss Utah team getting in because they won their conference by a fairly objective measure. They were the best team in their conference. I think that's a legitimate reason for them to move on. Um, my concern is less about with the 12 team playoff is less about that than the three loss teams that are not conference champions that will get in subjectively. You know, the goal of the playoff is to allow teams who earned it, right? Not just include the best teams, um, who might not actually have the resume. Otherwise, we can just look at recruiting rankings. We can look at the 247 sports talent composite rating, <laughs> the world that Jared wants. Um, but <laughs> <I don't... laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think, so I think a three-loss Kansas State earned their spot. Uh, but I think we're going to see a three-loss talented Bama team, for example, carelessly drop a few games, make the playoffs, go on a run, 
and win the playoff, and that's going to bother me inevitably. I know that's going to happen. Um, and so I like that the the new format does make the, the end of the season makes conference championships more important. I still think I'm going to be mad about a lot of the teams that end up getting in and end up being successful. Aiden, do you want to see do you want to see Tulane play USC this year? Because Tulane would have yeah. made it in this year. Tulane beat Kansas State. Tulane's no joke. Yeah, they're not. They're, that's yeah. not USC, yeah. dude. <laughs> it's not Bama. That's not Ohio State. Quit <laughs> USC and Bama. Group a group Kansas of five State hater over here. Beat a team in the playoff. Yeah, TCU's well, about to get destroyed by Michigan. What are you talking about? You don't know that. You literally <laughs> don't know I'm that. Gonna, no, I'm not going to use that argument. I hate that argument. I don't know. 12 yeah. teams is a little too much, but it just is what it I, is. I, I do understand that the 14 playoff is not really like working as intended, um, but 12 teams is too many to let in. I don't know why they had to go that that high, but that's just me. Yeah, I think eight was all. Yeah, I mean, right, yeah, money. money. But right. yeah, uh, I think eight was always the right number. You yeah. you take the the six highest ranked conference champions and then two at large bits like that. Yeah. To me, like, is a nice balance of like some objective measure of deserving with that wild card of teams who like you know maybe start the year off poorly but make a run at the end and like yeah. put in, like a nice ten and two record and clearly a good team getting in. But here it's like I can't imagine a year in which like Ohio State or bama or somebody just like doesn't make it like it just is hard mm-hmm. to ever imagine that scenario i guess you know you can imagine on endless world of possibilities on things but mm-hmm. it doesn't seem likely that being said i still think it's better than four teams like i i i think it's more interesting like people talk complain about blots but they're blots already like i don't know and i like i'd rather have like an exciting first round um and then a boring semifinal than like just a boring semifinal, you know. People, I, people in the World Cup have been talking a lot how like with the group stages, like there's some fun, there's some upsets, like things happen, it's interesting. But by the time you get down to this round, it's like okay, it's still Brazil, it's still France, it's still Argentina, like that are the best teams. But at least you had that sort of first fun round where like some different teams were making waves. That's kind of what this feels like too. It happens in March Madness the same way where you know Coastal Carolina will will find its way into the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, and then eventually Duke or or um, Kansas or Villanova or whoever mm-hmm. like, will like, well, kind of find their way through. And, um, it, it happens all the time. It, there is, so I was reading the USC and UCLA will not play in a, or they're going to reconfigure the conferences once they join. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be, so, so and, and there's still a possibility that they just move like Rutgers over. Um, but it's, <laughs> um, but they won't be, but there has to be a serious reconfiguring of the conferences to be able to make this more fun just yeah. so we don't get a Purdue beating Michigan on like a last second field goal and a, maybe in a weird condition game. And then all of a sudden they're the, the two seed and it's like, okay, yes. okay this is, I was going to say this, this is one of my biggest gripes is that this year in this format, Clemson and Utah would have had top four seeds and buys. That I think is 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 not reasonable. I think, I think Utah would earn it. I understand. Like I don't know. They just they, they know, just you, beat but, Utah twi- or USC twice. But, yeah, I mean it's kind of a, it's it feels like a big deal. No. Yeah, but are there a top four team? Yeah, you I, could I, prove I that the far, fact that they, they beat a top losses. four team that they could be a top four team. They we got to get off. We got to get off the good Pac-12 North. We got to get off the multiple loss things. Teams are now in in the Pac-12, especially they beat each other. This is exactly what a conference is supposed to be. No conference is supposed to be the way that like the Big Ten is set up. Where and I and I get that Michigan and 
Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan State all have the chance to beat each other. But none of the other schools are actually going to win. The SEC, like, for the most part, most schools don't beat Alabama on a regular basis, unless you're Georgia or something. Um, you got to get off of these multiple lost teams because that's going to be the new norm, especially with the shuffling of conferences. Teams are going to be teams are going to be two lost champions, and that but that's fine. And I think that that if you start changing your mindset now, if Utah becomes a two lost champion or multiple lost champion, and they get into the playoffs, that's a, that's that's a, that's cool. It makes the games more exciting. And if a team is a, if a team has only has one loss or hasn't lost yet, they're supposed to be really good. If they can't win a championship game, then what? But okay, all right. I, I I don't disagree with you, but I just want to hear your thoughts. What would you think about guaranteeing conference championships? Uh, champions spots in the playoffs, but giving the buys to the four top ranked teams, regardless of championship. I think that would be the ideal compromise. It is going to be interesting how they decide to rank. Like, is the SEC just going to be the number one seed? Like, <laughs> Yes. The SEC champion, the big, and then <laughs> followed by the Big Ten, and then followed by. They should just explicitly say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like reserve that number one seed. Yeah, what they all the all the conferences need to adopt what the Pac-12 does and what the Big 12 does, where it's just the two best teams play each other in terms of record. Like there was head-to-heads and stuff, so like that's why Utah got to play in front of a team like Washington who had a better record, but um, or some I don't know exactly what happened, but. For some reason, USC got to play instead of Washington. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think every conf- if every conference just goes to the two best teams play, that'll that'll get rid of a lot of those issues instead of the stupid division stuff like the ACC does too, which always produces pretty bad matches, I think, uh, as well in that conference. So, But here's the thing. The ACC is abolishing it for next year. Let's go, baby. They have just moved to... However many teams are in the ACC, the teams with the two best records will play each other, regardless of what division. But, I mean, there's not even going to be a division. It's just the two teams with the best record, which I wholeheartedly endorse. The other the other problem, too, that affects Notre Dame is that Notre Dame could never get a bye under, mm-hmm. this, uh, under this, which is also, Boo-hoo. I think, so. Yeah. Why? Why? Boo-hoo. They, so they say that, like, the 13th data point matters. Conference championships are supposed to matter. And this year they gave Ohio State a top four seed that, that who did not even play in their conference championship. We're talking about a different system. So it doesn't even – it doesn't matter. Get with the program. We're talking, a, talking about a different system. They could win – Notre Dame <laughs> could win the ACC. It's the same teams, though. It's the same teams. What does that mean? It's, it's like it's just – it's the same – even though the system's going to change, it's still, like, the same subjective perception that you're – that is being applied to the system. That, like, oh – now it's now actually we're saying a conference champion is worth more until it comes down to Ohio State. Then actually, no, we're just gonna put them in. You know, like but it's they, just inconsistent. Yeah, but, Jerry, I feel but like they you, can't. In this case, you are trying to have your cake and eat it too because you are getting directly mm-hmm. rewarded for winning a conference championship. So, like, why should why should Notre Dame even be in that conversation? Mm-hmm. For a buy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's just play like Hawaii. They or weren't something. kicked if you out. Want a thirteenth data point. They weren't kicked well, out. 13, well, the thirteenth data point now is the the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, like it's like okay, we're basically making the choice that instead of the thirteenth game being a conference championship, the thirteenth game is the first round of the playoffs. Okay, and I think it's making the bet that like it'll be easier to beat Tulane this year <laughs> than it would be to beat you know whoever Ohio State if you join the Big Ten or Clemson if you join the ACC. Yeah, join the Big Ten. I think that's what the bet is. Why we I, run? I, I've always been in favor of that. You own it. You wouldn't beat Penn State. That's not true. Yeah, it's true. That's not true. Penn State, Penn State has not beaten a single ranked team this year and are somehow going to the Rose Bowl. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're a big deal. 
They'll win the Rose Bowl too. I don't know who they playing. They'll win it. Utah. Fuck it. Not. No, Utah. Oh, you're working. on the Utah bandwagon, Wyatt. I am. What, what that's tough. <laughs> I just love betrayal. Penn State more. I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, let's stay on on the topic of Notre Dame here. Obviously, Notre Dame is not playing in the playoff. They do have a bowl game against South <laughs> <What>? Carolina later. <laughs> but for the most part, the season is the Gator wrapped. <laughs> the season is wrapped, and we can do a little bit of a review. So, Jared, get the ball rolling for us, if you would. What were the, the highlights and the lowlights for Notre Dame football this year? First highlight is that we didn't implode. Like, Oklahoma is a pretty solid comparison to us. Like look at look at what happened to them this year. They they imploded, I would say. Major program that had an established coach leave as like like we did, a defensive minded head coach coming in. We kept our roster pretty intact as well. Where OU was like kind of decimated by Lincoln Riley's move. I know that the, there's a d- little bit of difference in that Venable like wasn't in the building already, but still two two first time head coaches, right? Venable I think was also his first time. Um, I also think. Kind of on that same note as our highs were pretty high. Like we beat we beat Clemson, which felt which was a really good win. We beat the ACC champs, right? Uh, but I say I think that shows that there's a potential that maybe Marcus Freeman's ceiling at Notre Dame specifically is potentially higher. Uh, I think our first low light is our tackling was not really good this year. I think that's one of our biggest weaknesses actually, because you know the team we didn't beat was USC, and part a lot of the reason we didn't win that game is because we couldn't tackle or Marshall um, or Stanford or Marshall. We couldn't tackle in those games either. Even outside, like, the Caleb's, Caleb Williams show that we saw, like, I feel like our players weren't always ready for, like, the physicality of the game, and maybe that's a practicing thing. That's that's my hypothesis, at least. When we didn't practice tackling, but, you know, in high school football, when we didn't practice tackling that much, you're not you're not going to tackle well in the game. It's just That's just the way it works. Um, and even though we were in the backfield all day, too, in that USC game. I think our second highlight, uh, our run game was incredible. Even though, like, across the season, Mackerly, we were only, like, 50th in the nation. We ran for, like, 200 yards, I think, in, like, five or six games a couple times, like, over 250 even. And I think our offensive line really improved throughout the year. We didn't really – the run game wasn't really there against Ohio State and Marshall, for example. And we kind of found it in the, like, BYU-UNC games. Um, which kind of is, like, leads me to my next low light is I felt like we were too cute on offense a lot of the times. When all we really needed to do is just run up the middle and throw it to Michael Mayer. Like, sure, you can pepper in a couple <laughs> throws outside, but a lot of times that honestly just worked. And I feel like <laughs> we try to get too cute. I looked back. My note-taking system is basically like texting Lucas and my dad during games. And the amount of times that I said we should just run the ball in first down for the rest of this game, I probably said that like almost every game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another highlight that kind of relates to the Clemson point I, I made earlier is uh, we had some really dominant wins, uh, like Boston College comes to mind, obviously, on senior day with the snow coming down. That'll be kind of like a folklore sort of game and hopefully kind of build up the myth, I guess, of like the Marcus Freeman area a little a little bit. A low light, though, is we didn't get the most dynamic quarterback play. And I feel really bad that Pine is transferring. I feel really bad for criticizing him a lot of this season because he actually <laughs> played pretty fault. well. He was like 22 and six. He had more touchdowns than Stetson Bennett. Uh, that's for sure. Because <laughs> uh, Stetson only had twenty, um, and um, you have to give him props because he like he he balled out. He did what he could, but that being said, he still missed a lot of touchdowns throughout the season. Where there were guys that were like pretty open, like Michael Mayer, a couple times I can think of where he just missed kind of like a a pretty open Michael Mayer for a touchdown. And at the end of the day, I think like there's only one quarterback right now 
who could be a game manager and still win the national championship, and that's Stetson Bennett. <laughs> I don't. I just. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think you can. There's that many teams that are t- that talented around them to be able to do that. Notre Dame's definitely not one. Um, two more highlights. Two more lowlights. Number four highlight. Great punt and field goal blocking, as we've talked about a little mm-hmm. bit after the Clemson game is kind of when that came up. We led the nation in punts slash kicks blocks with seven, according to the NCAA. Uh, low light, though, on the special teams is our kickoff returns were really not good at all. We were the 81st in the nation in kickoff return yards, like 19 yards. That's pretty bad, I feel like. that's what We should just touch mm-hmm. it back every, every time if we're going <laughs> to do that. Um, and field goal kicking, we got a transfer in, uh, Blake Groupie. He was only 72% this year. That's pretty bad. We definitely need to, to upgrade in that if we want to start winning, like, close games against good teams. Lastly, uh, just some quick ones. Emergence of Benjamin Morrison. I'm glad we gave some young players a chance to play and ball out. On the other side, we should have given Tobias Merriweather more time to play. Like, we, we throw him the ball, he scores a touchdown in Stanford. We saw it live. Free invitation still, Tobias, to come on the show whenever you'd like to. But no, all seriousness, though, I think that's kind of my recap of the season. Um, the tackling and quarterback play was like the two things I want to see us improve next year. The major things. I think two big open questions are whether Tommy Reese and Alan Golden are going to be here next year. I've, I've mm-hmm. seen people in some places clamoring for Marcus Freeman to think about letting either or both of them go, which I think is an interesting take. But I, I yeah. Sort of makes sense. I still think Tommy Reese deserves to see what he can do with a good quarterback, but also like it's circular because he could be the reason we have had a good quarter or we haven't had a good quarterback, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm more. I'm more. I think Golden did a better job this year than Reese did. Like I, I'd be more okay giving him a little more wiggle room than Reese. Like I think the defense, like in large parts of the year, looked fine. Like sch- schematically, it looked really good. It was just. The tackling, like Jared mentioned, like I think he, Golden was really good at scheming for other teams, but there were just like so many missed tackles it didn't even matter. Um, Reese, it's been a couple years, and like I never want to like root for anybody to get fired or anything like that. But if like right. you're gonna make a change, <laughs> but but I think if you're gonna make a change in one of the two, I think I don't know. It didn't seem like Reese was doing the simple things and again. Like I'm not a play caller. I don't know the complexities of calling a college football game, but like. There were so many, like, boggling decisions that he seemed to make that I just never understood. And, again, like, maybe it's just because he's never had a great quarterback. But And on the flip side of that, it is maybe they're not great quarterbacks because of how he what he's doing as well. Mm, I don't know. Drew Pine, I mean, Drew Pine was, like, the third stringer last year, right? <laughs> I, I don't think we can, like, blame him too much for that. And he just helped recruit a four-star quarterback in Kenny Minchie. Like, I think you have to mm. at least give him the chance to try that. <laughs> like... You can't, you know, you can't say like you're you're gonna help him recruit this guy in, and because part of the another criticism of Tommy Reese is that he doesn't recruit apparently, because we didn't have a quarterback in the last class, um, but now we do. So, I think you gotta at least give him the chance to like, with one of his own guys, you know, try that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a I comprehensively looking at it, it was like a good year. Like that's all. Like it's about if you're giving me this year in a vacuum, like based on the last five or six years of Notre Dame football I would have been disappointed but based on circumstantially what happened like I think this is about what you could expect like some of the stuff at the beginning like I remember after that Marshall loss I was like apocalyptic <laughs> on this podcast like this team is gonna win like three games but they turned it around had some good wins against Clemson against Boston College like you mentioned Jared and eight and four going to the Gator Bowl that's like a fine year of college football 
That's how I describe yeah, Bart, it. Bart predicted eight and four at the start of the season, and Wyatt jokingly predicted that Marshall beat us. <laughs> Bart, did you predict No jokes there. All jokes have a little bit of truth in it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I actually predicted every bowl matchup correctly at the start of the <laughs> Yeah. Um, As a joke. <laughs> right. Okay, but actually, speaking of the Gator Bowl, does anybody have any hot takes, any predictions? Should we beat them? Will we beat them now that Drew Pine is transferred? <laughs> <laughs> with with Steve Angeli at quarterback? Oh, yeah, yeah unless Buckner's healthy. Yeah, unless we yeah. get Buckner. Uh, I'm going to say 27-23 Notre Dame. I think Rattler's playing. So that that I think South Carolina will play well because of that, but you know, I'm going to be a fan. I'll root for it to happen. <laughs> I saw Indy is favored, but South Carolina did beat some good teams this year, so I don't know, like if if Mayer doesn't play, if Foskey doesn't play, yeah, but yeah, South Carolina is also going to have some good players sitting out, almost certainly. I don't know exactly who, but yeah, yeah. Rattler is playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. player on South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's some some good players are going to be going to the draft, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, they're rolling, though. They beat yeah. uh, Tennessee and they beat uh, Clemson the uh, last two games of the year. It's not bad. Yeah. I don't know. You beat Tennessee without Hendon Hooker. I think that's a different game. Yeah, but Hendon, he I, I saw like people. Yeah, he was out later in that game they were already blowing them out apparently not that i watched the game before he got hurt so i, w- I watched that game they okay. were, it was pretty electric um last thing who should we target in the quarterback transfer portal tom brady i'm just joking. you read like <laughs> notre dame fan boards they're like we're getting every quarter every top exactly, name quarterback yeah. hudson card is number one we're getting him drew leary we're getting him too it's like Kate jt, Dan- JT Daniels. <laughs> yeah exactly right it's like it goes through notre dame first and then every other school gets their chance <laughs> to pick uh, who they yeah. didn't want <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. i've heard brennan armstrong from uva people have been oh yeah i've been up a little bit yeah. i feel like a lot of the really qbs good. who entered the portal like um armstrong and like keenan slovis and stuff have had like good seasons in the past and then are coming off a really like meh or bad season so it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. who you decide to take a chance on yeah it'll be interesting to see (laughs) yeah maybe tj it'll be interesting to see what we get because i don't really think like notre dame is yet the most attractive uh spot for a quarterback you're you're not and and until we get like better like we're losing michael mayer right or i don't think he's Mm -hmm. officially declared for the draft but we're probably gonna lose him right yeah, there's no way he comes back. Yeah, like, um, which will probably we're we're like a pretty good tight end university, so whoever is coming up next is probably going to be pretty good too. But I I don't know if that's like the most stable. You're going to get a good O line. I don't know. Yeah, it's I probably mean, not the most desirable in the country though. It's so wild to me that Cade McNamara went to Iowa. I mean, that's potentially the least attractive place <laughs> yeah. in the nation, right? Like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, yeah. That he would. <laughs> I'm drafting tight ends and O linemen out of out of Iowa. Does it make sense that exactly. he's your, your best player and he's from Iowa? <laughs> but but yeah, so I feel like Notre Dame's just brand on its own though. They're one of the biggest brands that's looking for a QB, so that's gotta be worth something, right? Now in Colorado. Yeah, now Colorado. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> no, they have a quarterback. They have um, yeah, they... Deion Sanders' son. So we'll get into that set. later. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, thank you for listening. As always, stay tuned for our uh, Deion Sanders plus other new coaches discussion in part two this week. And as per usual, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe. Lunch Pill Guys underscore on TikTok, Twitter, 
other things instagram <laughs> i think that's all of them and uh and on wherever you're listening to your podcasts and yeah see you for part two